0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. March 12th and 13th, the StarCityGames.com Open Series hits Memphis, Tennessee, and this event is going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $17,000 in cash prizes for the standard legacy and draft opens, 18 StarCityGames invitational slots up for grabs, SCG Players Club benefits, live coverage courtesy of Big Head Joe and I on SCG Live, tons of side events, and as much magic The gathering as we can pack into one weekend. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Memphis, and we'll see you there. Everybody and welcome to episode number 58 of Yomtg Taps. I'm Joey Pascoe.
1: And I'm Big Head Joe, digging for legacy cards as we record.
0: Awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that a bit later. Um... We have two weekends of, of awesome tournaments to talk to you guys about. Of course, yes. uh, the uh, Star City Games Open Series in Washington, D.C., uh, and then the Star City Games Open Series in Edison, New Jersey. Uh, we're going to focus a little more heavily on New Jersey, since that's the more recent and thus relevant event, but, uh, but we're, we're going to touch a little bit on D.C. as well. So uh, first we're going to cover the standard portion of both events, and then talk a little bit about legacy. Um, which uh, which finds us both with a kind of a, a newfound interest, so uh, yes, we'll get into that. First of all, in D.C., Jerry Thompson uh, pulled it off with his Angry Birds deck, dubbed by uh, someone on Twitter suggested it, and then we we uh, of course used that name in the booth. Um, we we were of course the coverage team for SCG Live for uh, Washington D.C., so that was that was a blast. But uh, basically. Jerry T's list, and I'm sure all of you know by now, was a version of Call Go, which uh, splashed red for Inferno Titans, Lightning Bolts, and Cunning Spark Mages. Um, Call Go was pretty much the, uh, or or Call Blade, Call slash X, whichever you'd like to to refer to it as. um, is basically, you know, it it was the story of the tournament, I think, in, in D.C. Because we came out of Paris... Uh, with that as the winning deck, the blue-white call blade list, Ben Stark, Brian Kibler, all those guys, uh, you know, rocking that list. And so we, we wanted to see in DC how are people going to adapt? Are people going to be taking this list and trying to uh, trying to modify it, trying to win with the same list, or are people going to be trying to fight fight it? Or you know, what's gonna what's gonna win the the call decks or the anti call decks? And it, it, the the answer seemed kind of to be both, because the card decks adapted themselves for mirror matches, which uh, obviously was—I think that was the—the the plan. I mean, that's—that's that's the main thing you want to do when you know you're going to be playing what you feel is the most popular and strongest deck. You need to—you need to be able to uh, break the mirror there. So, uh, right. so what Jerry did was he thought, well, I can—I can use uh, red, like Cunning Spark Mage and bolts to deal with opposing Squadron Hawks, and of course. Uh, it just gives it a little bit more instant speed removal against uh, things like Boros, which also happen to be trying to. They're they're playing the uh, the Call Blade, the, the aggro version of Call Blade, essentially. That's that's what Boros really is. It's kind of like right. Call Blade. It's it's Jerry's deck without blue. You know, that's uh, somebody referred to it that way on uh, on SCG Live. In mm-hmm edison actually this past weekend um so so that was the way that the the or that was one way that the call go decks were kind of breaking the uh the mirror match it was uh jerry t drew levin ben hayes those guys all uh brewed up that list that morning so um that that was pretty cool uh, another group of guys including lewis laskin were trying to break that mirror match with uh, a more equipment heavy version of call blade uh, we saw them using cards like Basilisk Collar and Mortar Pod.
1: Mortar Pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that,
0: that, was, that was pretty crazy. You, you know, the, the main thing, though, with that deck, or the, what really made it unique, was the use of Trinket Mages and uh, Elixir of Immortality along with the Mortar Pod and the Squadron Hawks so that you could recycle the Squadron Hawks. You grab the Mortar Pod with a Stoneforge Mystic and uh, you equip it to your Squadron Hawk and now you have basically a Mog Fanatic, uh, <laughs> essentially, and you can use the the Mortar Pod, sacrifice it to do a damage to something, and then once you're out of Hawks, or once you've used three of, out of your four Hawks, you don't want to cast the fourth one, you get an Elixir of Immortality with a Trinket Mage, use that, put all your three Hawks back into the deck... And then play your fourth Hawk and grab the three Hawks back out of your deck again. So essentially, <laughs> Hawk cycling there. So uh, that was that was Laskin's take on the list. And uh, I think he did okay, but the, the criticism of that list was that it took too long. It, he went to time. He had unintentional draws like two or three times over the course of the tournament. So that was actually that deck's uh, Achilles' heel. But uh, nevertheless, caw, Blade put four decks in the top eight. Um, some, let's see, obviously Jerry won with his red version. Uh, we had Edgar Flores with a blue-white version. Jeremy Sunel also with just a blue-white version. And uh, and Josh Rabbits, I believe, also with a blue-white version. Yeah. So, you know, essentially, those guys are going with the more classic version of Callblade uh, with just, just the blue-white. And Jerry with the with the red, ended up being the more successful of the group. So, of course, Jerry's version was uh, being the more successful version. That ended up going right into the Edison, New Jersey Open Series this past weekend, where you had a number of people deciding to not just splash red, but stretch into other colors. We saw an Esper version of Callblade doing pretty well. And um, one of the things that the guys on SCG Live were saying was it's kind of like, people are now referring to Stoneforge Mystic as this deck's bitter blossom. That, that's something that Kibler actually said back in Paris that Stoneforge Mystic is like bitter blossom for this deck. So, what's the best way to fight bitter blossom is a thought seize. So the, the call decks are going, "Okay, let's play Inquisition of Kozilek so we can strip the Stoneforge Mystic out of their hand uh, you know, on turn 1 so that when we're uh, whether we're on the play or draw obviously, but um, you can strip the opposing Stoneforge Mystic. And, of course, the other good thing is even if they land the Stoneforge Mystic, now they grab a sword, for example, or, you know, one of those equipments. Uh, they all cost less than three. So now you play Inquisition to steal that sword. Nice squire.
2: <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, that, that was an interesting thing. Uh, I think Ben Lundquist was among the uh, the players playing an Esper version, uh, among others. I, I, I think even uh, Gerard Fabiano may have been playing... a. Uh, an esper version of callblade. So uh in the end though, we had six of the top 8 decks were callblade variants.
1: Yeah, before had, uh, the before the podcast I was joking with Joey. I was like, "Can I read the top 8 lists um on the podcast?" And he was like, "Well, what do you mean?" I was like, "Okay, so I'm going to read them like this. Uh so in first place, we had Patrick Sullivan with red deck wins. We had Jund, Jund Rug control, jund, 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 and jund.
0: <laughs> and yeah, and and, and that's a, a nice segue into what I was going to bring up, uh, and it's something I brought up on Twitter: was is Callblade in danger of becoming the next jund? Um, right now, it looks like it. You know, it looks like it is definitely in danger of becoming the next jund. If it carries, you know, if if these numbers carry on for the next month or so, I think. That's where the Jun comparisons really begin to take hold. Um, Kyle Engelson on Twitter was actually talking to me a little bit. Um, he felt that it already is on Jun level, but uh, in my opinion, being that it's it's only been around for three major tournaments—Paris, uh, Star City, DC, and then Star City Edison—I don't think it's Jund, I don't think it's quite found its foothold or uh, or reached Jund levels yet. I think it's it's a matter of how how much longer is this going to continue. It's certainly the most dominant deck right now, the strongest deck. But uh, the question is, how do people adapt? How do people fight uh, fight this kind of deck?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, Patrick Sullivan showed that red's a pretty good option at this point.
0: Yeah, that that's a really interesting story, and I don't know if you heard this, but Sullivan, Patrick Sullivan, won the tournament with red deck wins, and. Okay, Patrick Sullivan. For those of you who don't know, is an old school player who pretty much only plays red. Yeah, that he he kind of looks at the the you know, uh, Magic the Gathering as mountains and red cards only. <laughs> it seems like
1: uh, I love the fact that he had a box yeah. of like every good red card with him.
0: Yeah, essentially, th- this was the what I heard on uh, on SCG Live was that before the tournament. People had seen him uh, seen him around, and they said, you know, are, are you playing today? And he said, no, I'm, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to play, uh, you know, maybe play some side events, and then I'm going to do Legacy tomorrow. And then, like, a little while later, somebody saw him, and uh, he said, yeah, you know what? I, th- I think I am going to play. I think maybe this is uh, Jacob Van Lunen who, who told this story. But, uh, I'm, you know, don't quote me on that. Um, he said, you know what? M- maybe I am going to play. He, he literally had, like you said, a box of every standard or every red card in Standard that uh, No, back
1: to Legacy.
0: Oh, and Legacy, right. Every... Yeah, it was
1: like everything good in Standard and Legacy. Right,
0: exactly. So every good red card, every playable red card, at least according to him, he just had a box of all those cards, which is just crazy. So he's, he sleeves up a deck and wins the freaking tournament with it. Like, that's the craziest thing. You know, you have people preparing for these tournaments and going, I'm going to go to this, and this is, I'm practicing for the Star City Open. And this guy shows up, you know, what a master. He's like, eh, nah, I'm not going to play. Oh, fine, I'll play. Whatever. Somebody give me, where, where's my red card? Somebody give me some sleeves. Don't daze me, bro. Uh, <laughs> you
2: know?
0: uh, and, and he gets, he just sleeves up a deck and just takes it all the way. Like, that just shows you how not only you know, uh, how good of a player he is, but how much, you know, players like Alex Bertoncini who show up constantly with with the same deck, Jund last season, and now it seems to be Rug. You know, it's just right. familiarity with this this archetype and just, you know what, I'm just going to master this one archetype and always play some variant of this kind of deck. And it's, I'm I'm positive it's that kind of experience that... Takes these people to these kind of finishes. Now, did you actually see? Uh, were you watching the the top eight yesterday morning?
1: Um, a little bit.
0: One of the most interesting plays that Sullivan made was, I believe, in the uh, was either the quarters or the semis, where he had a cough of the hammer in play, and he uh, he untapped his mountain. Uh, he was playing against AJ Soccer, and AJ? He, he untapped his mountain. Uh, AJ was at one life, so but he had had some blockers out. So basically, it was kind of like when's Patrick gonna top deck a burn spell? Well, he top decks a second cough, and so it's like, like th- that doesn't help. So he untaps a mountain and then taps four and plays another cough.
1: Because oh, he, I heard about yeah, that. Yeah,
0: he thinks like this is people were saying he's playing by the old legend rule, but that doesn't even. Work because by the old legend rule, the second legend played dies. But now, of course, the new, the current legend rule is that, and and I say legend rule, but it's Planeswalker rule as well, is that they just kill each other. Of course, it's it's right. you know you have you have a Jace, I play a Jace, they both die. Um, he was trying to like upgrade, which is a function of other games, uh, versus system, for example. You could play, like, a Superman and have it in play, and then you play another version of Superman to, to oh, kind of yeah. upgrade, so you would lose the previous version, but you'd keep the current version. Right. I've even done that, like, once. I remember, I think I was playing against you. We were just, you know, playtesting, so it wasn't uh, anything important at all. But I think I did something like that where I was like, I'm going to use the Planeswalker's ability, and then I'm going to play another one to replace to replace that one and then get another ability out of it Mm -hmm. because I was thinking about versus system. Um, (laughs) I don't know, but apparently Patrick works for a a gaming company and in some of the other games he plays, and maybe it is versus system, he was thinking that. Here he is in the top eight of of a standard event, and he makes a play like that, killing his own cough and wasting his second cough. (laughs) Uh, So it was just kind of nuts to see that happen. Uh, and then, of course, I think within a turn or two, I think he's—that's what it was. His next turn, or, or the or the turn after, he top decks, uh, Spike Shot Elder, drops it, taps three, kills AJ. So he still yeah. won that game. But wow, that that was—it was just one of the more uh, interesting things to happen in the top eight. <laughs> um. So one of the other interesting lists to come out of the uh, the New Jersey. Event this past weekend was Laskin yet again playing an innovative list. Now, did you did you see this? It's a uh, green white I, aggro list. Uh, for you, standard, right? Yeah, this is for standard.
1: Um, I didn't see his exact deck, but I'm actually it's funny because um, Travis, my roommate, was playing a deck that was very similar to that. Um, yeah, like I di- I never saw Laskin's actual list, but. Travis was watching him play. He's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I uh, built, basically. Yeah. Like, um, it was um, Venge Vines, and um, did he did he actually run Glimmer Point Stag? Uh
0: I did. I feel like I heard that, but I, I don't know. I think sure. Laskin Lask ran Stag. Glimmer
1: Point Stag. Um I know that Travis really wanted to run that card, but didn't for whatever reason.
0: It's interesting because I think a lot of people must have been thinking along the same lines because I was literally I've been and I, I know I believe that we even talked about it on a previous episode but I uh, you know I couldn't swear to it but I, I talked about playing I just want to play like Vengevines and Molten Tail Masticores and lead the stampedes you know uh, basically a whole bunch of creature a whole bunch of creatures in a in a deck so that, you know, to maximize lead the stampede and molten tail Masticore and of course to keep playing Vengevines. Like right. and that's basically what Laskin did. And a- apparently so did uh, Smitty from Sixty Cards was also <laughs> playing a very similar list. So it's kinda like a lot of people were were trying to build this sort of thing and I, I guess Laskin felt that this was a good time to take advantage of the uh, the unpreparedness of people of, you know, the format to this kind of deck. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. Let's see where he finished. He ended up only finishing 105th. So, you know, obviously it, it wasn't, you know, a breakout deck, but in the early rounds, it was what a lot of people were talking about. Right. So, um, also notably Edgar Flores, who, uh, I had not heard of before last weekend in DC. Uh, he made top eight at a standard portion in both DC and Edison, Playing a 73 card identical blue white call go list or call blade list. The only difference is uh, he took out, he cut a mana leak and added a Jace Bellerin to the main deck, cut a Deprive and added a Sun Titan to the sideboard. Um, But essentially the same list, and he made top eight of both events, which is, you know, here we have somebody again sticking with one archetype (laughs) Edgar Flores? Right, Edgar Flores, yeah.
1: Did you just say a 73 card deck?
0: No, I said seventy-three of the of it was a seventy-three oh. card. <laughs> sorry, I meant seventy-three <laughs> I, identically identical cards. Sorry, seventy-three of the seventy-five cards were identical. That's what I meant. I was
1: mean. like a seventy-three card deck. Are you kidding Maybe me? He, like he
0: had fifty-eight card main just to give him you know some extra chances, just that little bit. But nobody just else.
1: to just to run the cheats. Right. Exactly. Nice so, job.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, honestly, like, what do you think of of all this call go or call blade?
1: I'm. Like, like I, I didn't I say it on the coverage? It's like the Jun deck, it's okay to like.
0: Yes, I don't know if you said it on the coverage, but you definitely said it to me.
1: I think I said it on the coverage a couple times. It's okay. like the Jun deck that it's okay to like. Like, there are, I feel like there are a lot of answers to this deck right now, um, just in the current card pool of standard. Um, I feel like people want to play this deck rather than play the answers to this deck.
0: Okay, what, I, what are you thinking some of the answers are?
1: Well, I mean, like, like Patrick Sullivan showed, like, like, you know, just some burn spells. Like, I think Slagstorm's really good against this deck. It kills a suited-up uh, hawk, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there are easy answers to it, you know? So I don't feel like it's one of those things where it's unfair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, Jund had Cascade, which was just a pretty broken mechanic right you know but um but call blade just has like a bunch of cards that are consistent like i mean obviously the squadron hawks will draw you three creatures and stoneforge mystic will always draw you an equipment if you have it you know right. plus it lets you get your equipment into the battlefield around counter spells so but these are 11s one and 12s. Right. You know, like it's I mean, there are just very simple answers to to those cards. You know, it's not like those cards are so unbeatable. Yeah. It's just that they're so powerful that most and, and it also just so happens that the two like top archetypes right now um, which I guess would be like well, I mean, Rug is kind of making a comeback, but Boros is like probably one of the most popular Uh, archetypes, and blue-white, and they both run Squadron Hawks and Stoneforge Mystics, you know what I mean? So
0: So that answer can function, whatever answer you decide uh, to use, it can function against both decks, which is actually kind of a a nice... Both
1: decks can run it, and both decks can use it to counter that other thing, you know, but like...
0: um, I'm just saying, like, if you figure like Memoricide for Squadron Hawks is the answer, that that's something that uh that Evan Irwin was advocating actually. Uh, he, he told me in D.C. He said until people figure out to play Memoricide for Squadron Hawks, this deck is going to be ridiculous. You know, I'm not sure that people, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that is the answer, and I'm not sure how many people have tried it. I actually have not seen any of the lists from uh. Of, of the Esper versions of Callblade, I know they played Discard, but I don't know if they played Memoricide, and, and I wasn't able to catch all the coverage. And at this point, it's not archived either. But I'm pretty uh, sure
1: they run Memoricide. It,
0: it seems like a decent answer, right? But, right. um, you know, that was at least suggested by Evan. Um, but, yes, if that's the answer, you you have that now for two decks. Like your sideboard cards, if, if that, you're not going to main deck it, uh, your sideboard cards function against two different kind of archetypes, which is the exact kind of thing you want to do with a sideboard. You know, you want your cards to have multiple functions. You want them to overlap so that you you basically have, you know, a set plan against each deck and not like, well, I need five cards against just this one archetype, you know? Right. So having those five cards against two archetypes, that you know, that you're actually helping you out. But see, the thing especially with, uh, or, or this is more about the blue-white version of Coggo, or at least the uh the Cogblade versions, the non-Boros, sorry, <laughs> versions of the, the equipment package, the Hawk Stoneforge package, um, is the, the thing that makes this difficult is it's willing to say, all right, attack that strategy. Now you just have to deal with blue-white control. Like blue-white control already is good. It's a good archetype. Th- being able to uh, incorporate this extra and actually more like a primary plan of attack, everybody starts to focus their firepower on that plan of attack. And even if you take that out, like, all right, deal with my Jaces and Gideons and Celestial Colonnades, you know, you just you just wasted all of your energy, you know, all of your efforts dealing with Squires and 1-1 Flyers, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and, and now I've got an entire other deck for you to fight, which uh, which basically plays on a completely different level of, a different kind of strategy than the other deck that you were just fighting. You know, <laughs> kind of like, here, fight Boros, now fight blue-white. They're both in the same deck.
1: Right, right, right. Which makes it, it makes it seem kind of obvious to, like, that, you know, the blue-white deck is probably the better choice, because,
0: you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, You're like, I, man, I, I, I won't a... disagree with that.
1: <laughs> right. bro. <Well>, of course <laughs> you won't. But I'm just saying, like, and uh, and obviously the results are showing that the blue-white deck is superior to the Boros deck. Right. But it's like, why play Boros when you can play Boros and blue-white? Right. Well, you well, know what I mean? It play, just like, seems kind of obvious. Boros. right.
0: You take the, right. the best part of Boros and put it into blue-white, right? Um, although I'm I'm sure that the, uh, the aggro players out there may feel differently. But, uh, you know. Essentially, that's sort of what Jerry did. He said, "I'm going to take the best of Boros, including your lightning bolts, and uh, and play, and play it in blue-white control." Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the uh, the two-color blue-white versions of the Callblade deck versus the the multicolor, you know, that the three-color versions?
1: I mean, you're obviously you know sacrificing some consistency there, but I, I think the red one's the best. Uh, the best choice of the, you I mean, of the different uh, variations of the deck, just because it has access to burn spells, and I think Inferno Titan is such a mirror breaker. Yeah, I love seeing Inferno Titan come crashing down. Um, so I think I don't know. I just think I just feel like that's the better choice. Now, I haven't really seen much of the black deck. Yeah. Um, but I know that Tim just borrowed one of my geths
0: for uh <laughs> yeah that was for one of
1: game the, day yesterday
0: that was one of the uh the, the tech sideboard cards and i believe it was uh gerard fabiano running that uh because geth can basically steal creatures and equipment right out of right out of the opponent's uh graveyard so it's like hmm, i'm gonna i'm gonna inquisition of kozilek you get rid of your sword and now i'm gonna steal it from you so uh that's kind of an interesting little version of uh a little way to break the mirror but uh Another thing, Ben Hayes was saying this on SCG Live, was that the black versions are able to run Tectonic Edge because there are more more dual lands that you can use. Like, you, you have a better mana base than,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: than you do with the red. So hmm. that, that's an interesting thing to consider. But personally, like, I'm uh, – and I've said this many times before. I'm very much – more about consistency than power. Like, I agree right. that the red deck has more uh, potential for power, but I feel like that also gives it more potential to uh, be in a, a situation where you can't take advantage of the cards in your hand because for some reason maybe you don't have the red mana. Not, you know, I don't know. Or maybe you need a tectonic edge and you don't have it because you played mountains instead. You <laughs> know? Um, right. So I... I I'm very much, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit this morning. Power versus consistency, it's a very, it, it's, a, it's a slow and steady wins the race situation, right? Like, you can have the power. You can be the hare. You can be, like, I'm I'm more powerful, and then your deck can take a nap on you while the blue-white tortoise just walks on by, you know? <laughs> it's it's the, it's the tortoise and the hare right there where, like, slow and steady. I'm, I may not have as powerful of a deck, uh, but... Mine is very consistent. It's much more consistent. So, uh, and, and, of course, any deck is going to have issues where your mana is screwed. So it doesn't mean you're always perfectly consistent. But I like those... Uh, I, that's the reason I like to play control decks. I know I, I was talking about this recently. Whether it was on the podcast or SCG Live or just in a conversation with somebody, was uh, I like playing control decks because they play a slower game. So playing all that defense allows you to construct your strategy to to basically... It's more forgiving of missing... Uh, you know, uh, of not having the cards you need to win immediately. Right. But these very aggressive strategies, they just go all in. Like, I need the right cards to just Kaldatha red you out. You know? <laughs> like, I'm going to drop a whole bunch of stuff and kill you. And if I don't, I you know if i didn't get you within burn range within those first few turns now i'm uh you know i'm i'm drawing off the top of my deck hoping to get back into this game whereas <laughs> right. the control decks are like all i need is enough to live long enough to stop them from doing that so i mean it's a it's just the way i like the forgiving nature of control decks or at least more uh you know slower decks that take a little bit of time to build their advantage so
1: that's well, just, speaking of, just uh, speaking of that, uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the time spiral decks that are s- now starting to show up in Legacy?
0: Yeah. They uh, seem
1: to be like right, right up your alley, frankly. Yeah. Um, well, let's,
0: let's do that. Let's move on to the, the Legacy, Legacy talk. First of all, the, the winners of the Legacy events, Daniel Signorini won in DC with Team America, which apparently we learned that day, uh, I think Drew Levin told us this, that it was, uh. A deck of his design, or maybe it was Gerard Fabiano that actually told us. Um, but either who way, who knows? Yeah, we talked to a lot of people. <laughs> we certainly did. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dan Signorini won with Team America, which you—I uh, don't know. I expect a deck called Team America to be red, white, and blue, but apparently it's just blue, green, black. So uh, I... that's—it's uh, it, a known archetype in Legacy, and those of you who. Who know us and listen to us know that legacy was not our uh, our forte. It, we're we're mostly a standard focused podcast anyway, but, uh, but that
1: might change.
0: Yes, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let some legacy talk in uh, quite a bit more, uh, and that's because since we've been recruited for SCG Live, obviously we are commenting on legacy, so we have a very good reason to learn it. And now that we're we're learning it, we're loving it.
1: Yeah, I just found a place that of nettle sentinels as you were saying that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, like, we're both very excited to get into Legacy. So, uh, we're watching a lot of coverage, uh, videos. We're reading a lot of articles. And, of course, we're able to watch a lot of it live and talk to a lot of Legacy, uh, Legacy stalwarts, you know, yeah. right in, in the SCG Live booth. So, um, we're really excited about Legacy. Now, now the thing with Legacy, though, uh, even though we don't actually play it, we we are aware of a lot of the cards because we have been playing for a long time. But our, I said this uh, to the guys in Star City that our experience with Legacy was when these decks were in Standard. So yeah, right. I know Goblins when it was in Standard. I know Affinity from when it was in Standard. Right, I have yeah. both of those decks. But you know, obviously the decks change a bit when they have access to more, uh, you know, more cards and better options. So. We're, we're still learning. So, anyway, congratulations to Dan Zignorini, who won with Team America in D.C. And then, of course, Alex Hatfield won in Edison with uh, a high-tide time spiral. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. Time spiral is, uh, you know, it's, it's time spiral's coming out party, I guess, <laughs> with, uh, you know, with it being unbanned a few months ago and now finally making a showing, and, and not just any... You know, it didn't didn't just kind of top 16 or top eight. It took took down the entire tournament. So, uh, the list that he was playing looks very similar. Now, now I have uh, I have Alex's list, but I don't have Chapin's list. This is this is what I was going to refer to. Is uh, Chapin built a time spiral high tide list, which he published in the Star City Gazette, um, which was given out, I believe, it, at the last Grand Prix, and um, I had a copy, but I. I left it at work because I finished reading it, and I thought I'm going to recycle this. And then I thought I'm going to leave this in the break room and (laughs) and see if somebody finds it and says, "Oh, hey, Magic the Gathering, that's still around." And then maybe grab it. I've got my old
1: cards, and I'll sell them to you.
0: Right. Well, nobody would know it was me that left it in there. I just like to kind of like back in like the spring, I took one of the uh, one of the tokens or the inserts from uh, Rise of the Eldrazi that had like a, a Magic 2011. Ad on the back of it. Yeah, I, I put it on the fridge in the break room, and it was there for months. Uh, I was just kind of <laughs> like, hmm, I just want to leave this little Magic the Gathering ad here. And so, you know, the other day I finished reading it, and I put it. Uh, I left it in the break room, just you know, just to see if somebody throws it out or recycles it. That's exactly what I was going to do with it anyway. But I think <laughs> somebody might look at it and go, "Hey, what is this?" You know, and uh, and grab it. So, whatever, uh, you know, just just planting planting some seeds but uh, <laughs> i feel
1: like an evangelical man it's funny
0: yeah just leave bible sitting around just leave
1: a little pamphlet you know right, exactly. I, I need you know jesus
0: <laughs> so uh anyway I, i'm not sure of uh how identical they are but from the looks of what alex was playing it was very similar to what patrick chapin suggested being played uh, in a time spiral high tide list so uh I believe they'll make that Gazette available for, uh, via PDF on the, on the Star City site. So just keep an eye out for that. I'm not sure when that'll be. But, uh, and, of course, if you actually are at any of the Star City events, they tend to have a lot of extras that they're giving out. So, I mean, I grabbed mine in D.C. Anyway, so to talk a little bit about that deck, Joe. It's apparently not identical to Chapin's list because Chapin actually ran one copy of Emrakul and uh, right. Alex does not. so.
1: Okay, so um here is here's Alex Hatfield's list. Um sadly the first card on the list is four Candelabra of Taunos.
0: <laughs> sadly for our wallets.
1: Yeah, if, for if our wallets. You wanna, if you want to build this, yeah. Yeah, it's just they don't exist. Like you can't even find any. Yeah. Like you go to find magic cards, there's one.
0: Yeah, they're uh they're like hundred and ten dollars on Star City if they were in stock.
1: Right and yeah so nice deck um i <laughs> i had magus of the candelabra pulled aside from travis's stuff
0: um <laughs> closest you can get right yeah that so that's worth, like a dollar and 10 cents so
1: <laughs> get your magus of the candelabra i guess right. because you're never going to find the card you need right um now we've got uh two mind over matter one blue sun zenith 4 brainstorm 3 cunning wish 4 force of will 4 high tide 3 meditate 3 turnabout 4 merchant scroll 4 ponder 2 preordain 4 time spirals 12 islands 2 flooded strands 2 misty Rainforests, 2 polluted deltas um and then the sideboard is another blue sun zenith and remember these got the cunning wishes so there's a lot of uh toolbox yeah uh, one Blue Sun Zenith, one Brain Freeze, one Echoing Truth, one Intuition, one Meditate, uh, three Pact of Negation. Um, I loved seeing that, like yeah. just uh, him being able to search up Pact of Negation and then he just had like backup for his backups in the counter war. It was pretty good. Yeah, He figured if he can go off that turn, you know, first of all, he's building his Storm Count and second of all, he's not not going to ever have to pay five because he's right. not going to be there. Um,
0: yeah, Pact of Negation is actually sold out on uh, on Star City right now at 6 bucks.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. One rebuild, uh, four repeal, one turnabout, and one wipe away.
0: So, yeah, he's a uh, – you know, it, it's a – it's a mono-blue deck. Pretty awesome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> already, in my opinion, already awesome. But yeah, that candelabra certainly makes it more difficult to decide, you know, you want to play this. Especially if you're just trying to get into Legacy. Um, if you're like, you know, like us, we're trying to, we're taking our collections, you know, the older cards and going, okay, cool, these are all playable in Legacy, but I need what else now? <laughs> right, know? right.
1: I've, I've been literally, like, going through people's cards. I'm actually meeting up with a kid tonight. Um, at the rotunda and I'm going to literally just go through all his boxes of old cards and yank out all his legacy stuff and trade him for it. Yeah. Because, uh, he doesn't want it and I do. So, um, I mean, I got like some dark rituals and some random stuff from him yesterday, you know? Right. And I'm just like going through and just pilfering collections and stuff. Um, just trying to get as much legacy stuff as I can, which is my mission right now.
0: Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I, I'm going to try to be playing it online as well, but I, I don't know. Awesome. It's tough. Um,
1: you should get that um, the one pre-constructed deck that comes with like the mangaras and stuff like that.
0: Right. It's. Uh, I,
1: I heard that those are both like pretty cool decks, you know, and they're just real cheap. And apparently, dual lands are much cheaper online too. Yeah, they're like
0: ten bucks or something at most. Right. Which is pretty crazy, but <laughs> it's because they're still in print. And if we didn't have right. a stupid. Uh, if if we didn't have to deal with the ridiculous reprint policy that Wizards does not want to uh to adjust then i bet you that regular dual lands would be a lot closer to 10 bucks you know yep. the, the actual revised dual lands you know and, and alpha and beta et cetera, unlimited
1: sure so, well i mean you know again i, it I, I is don't
0: mean it the alpha and beta will be 10 bucks but i'm just i do yeah. <laughs> but uh you know that's a that's a topic for another podcast that we've recorded a year ago so <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, for those of you that are looking in to, uh, to break into Legacy, it seems to me that if you want to play an inexpensive deck, like your options are like Affinity or Goblins. Both of those decks aren't too bad. Like uh, KYT from the, uh, the A-Team podcast, who also happens to have just recently uh, started a Legacy podcast, which Joe was uh, was a guest on. It's called Crazy Talk.
1: I didn't even know what I was on when, like... <laughs> they recorded that at the end i don't know if it was on the episode that actually they posted but at the end i'm like so what the hell is this podcast anyway like basically they were just like uh, you want to record with us all right
0: (laughs) right like basically kyt saw an, an opening for you know the fact that there's no real legacy podcast out there so he decided to start one and uh he like us is just getting into legacy he um I believe he played Affinity at a tournament and made top eight or won it with uh, with an Affinity Legacy uh, Legacy deck. I, I think he actually took Chapin's list from San Jose and used that. So, um, that's awesome. I, I think he said he bought the list. He bought the deck for like 150 bucks. So like that's that's a lot cheaper than a lot of standard decks. Um, so there are options, especially if you want to play a more aggressive deck. I mean, both of those decks are good decks. Affinity and Goblins. They're both playable uh legacy decks. Uh, unfortunately if you want to play something more uh more complicated than an aggro list, it seems to me that the the cards you need are a little bit more niche like uh Candelabra of Taunos in in High Tide or uh if you want to play Counterbalance you need like Tarmogoyfs and uh you know Dual lands. So kind of kind of makes things a little more difficult. Um yep.
1: You know, and it's funny because I've had to really put my money where my mouth is over these last couple weeks uh, because, you know, we always preach stop, bitch, and start brewing on here, you know. And, um, you know, now I want to play Legacy, which is, other than vintage prob- and, or standard, the most expensive format that there is, you know. Yeah. so. Um, I probably probably third behind vintage and standard. Um,
0: yeah, the the significant thing about that though is that it's you you get more you get more quality out of your deck. It's it's it's. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but I mean to say like when you're buying something and you're choosing, like well I can buy like a better quality version of this for a lot more money, or I can buy a lesser quality version but it doesn 't last as long it 's the same exact thing here <laughs> with, with standard right like if you 're going to go and spend you know a hundred or okay spend three hundred bucks on a standard deck or five hundred bucks on a legacy deck you 're going to get more value out of the five hundred dollars than you are out of that three hundred dollars because your standard deck only lasts for two years if that that, that depends on how what 's in your deck if you go ahead and build a spend three hundred dollars on a standard deck right now, which has Jaces in it, and apparently you can only run three Jaces if you even want to spend three hundred dollars on a
1: standard. That's to get to three cards, <laughs> right?
0: But uh, okay, Jace aside, but anything—if you build a deck that has a lot of Zendikar block cards, you're gonna—you're only gonna get a few months' value out of it. You're gonna get like what uh, eight months now? I mean, it's gonna rotate yeah. in September. So if you build a Scars of Mirrodin block deck with, like, a couple of cards from Zendikar block, you're going to get roughly a year and a half, you know, close to two years out of it. But if you build a legacy deck with that money, or at least build some of a legacy deck and then just kind of gradually add to it over time, you're uh, going to get a lot more value out of it. You're going to get a lot more...
1: Just build legacy or goblins, and you're set for right. a while.
0: I mean, those goblins... Did decks.
1: I say legacy or goblins? You did,
0: yeah. You mean affinity goblins. You can build or
1: merfolk or goblins for affinity. affinity and just have a deck, you right. know, and it's there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of... Uh, there's legacy staples, and yeah, they're expensive, but they really... Like, any deck that plays blue tends to play Force of Will. So, you grab Force of Will, and now you're uh, you've got you know, for, Force of Will. You've got Force of Will for every blue Legacy deck that you decide to play. Right. So, uh, you know, that's an option. And, um, you know, so, so that's one of the things. And that's something that I've been aware of. My excuse for not getting into Legacy before was I feel like I don't have enough time to play Standard. How am I going to find time to play Legacy? Um, but as as much as we've been watching it i'm just excited about it and i'm like i'm going to find time i'm just not going to play standard as much i'm going to be playing more legacy not that i won't play standard but i mean i will i will now instead of you and i sitting down and going let's play standard i'm going to say pull out your legacy deck let's play that
1: yeah i i have a feeling that uh, me and joey are going to wind up this is going to be a legacy podcast in a year
0: <laughs> i don't know i don't know about that because i really still love standard and i think I think a lot of our listeners do too and I think that's part of the reason a lot of people listen because we're standard podcast and that's their their uh format of choice but we can uh we can diversify here and I think we're going to we're going to be talking a lot more legacy just uh just Get to, ready. Yeah. Just to give you a heads up. So um Michael J Flores also another guy recently getting into a legacy
1: Isn't that funny?
0: It is. It's pretty cool. He wrote an article about it last week, and uh, he ended up playing in Edison. In the standard portion, he played Pyromancer Ascension. uh, Didn't do so well, but um, in the legacy portion, he played a Cephalid Breakfast deck, which Drew Levin and he uh, worked on. And uh, Cephalid Breakfast is a deck that's been around for a while, but it's kind of been more under the radar recently. It doesn't seem like, you know, we haven't really been seeing it show up so for those of you who don't know how this works uh the deck is it's, it's called cephalid breakfast or cephalid life uh but uh essentially it uses cephalid, cephalid illusionist which is a, a card from torment a blue uncommon a one one for a blue and one uh, whenever it becomes the target of a spell or ability you put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard um, and then you use cards that have zero zero cost uh Activated abilities like, for example, Shuko is an equipment that some decks used. Uh, I don't believe Mike used it, but uh, it has a zero cost equip. Um, and then uh, the, the more common card to use is Nomad's Encore, which is uh, a creature that, from, from Stronghold, uh, which has a zero cost activated ability that says redirect one damage from Nomads to a creature you control. Um, but essentially, you target your illusionist. You mill three cards. You see if the cards you need are in your, in your graveyard, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then if you need to do it again, you mill yourself again. Essentially, you mill uh, your entire deck almost until you get the cards you need in your graveyard. Um, the cards you need are Narcamoebas, uh, for, which allow you to cast Dread Return to flash it back to bring back a Karmic Guide out of your graveyard. Karmic Guide, when it comes into play, you can get a creature from your graveyard and put it into play. So Karmic Guide now comes into play after you Dread Return it and brings back Tiki Tiki Mirror Breaker, uh, which, for those of you who don't remember from Kamigawa Block, he uh, he has haste, and he has the activated ability, tap it, to put a token into play that's a copy of target non-legendary creature you control. So now... You Karmic Guide. You get Karmic Guide into play, bringing Kiki-Jiki from your graveyard. Tap Kiki-Jiki to make a copy of Karmic Guide, which now comes into play, and can bring back a Sky Hussar from your graveyard, which when that comes into play, you untap all creatures you control. So you get to untap the Kiki-Jiki, and then you use that to copy the Sky Hussar that you now have in play, which comes into play, untap to your Kiki-Jiki, and you can do it as many times as you want. Untap, you can right. make a Sky Hussar. Untap, you know, uh, use it to make a Sky Hussar again, over and over again. So you have an infinite number of 4-3 Flyers to win with. So that's that's the combo on that end. Another part of the combo, if for some reason, like, you uh, you aren't able to win by attacking, um, or, or at least you don't have that available to use, uh, is Daru Spiritualist and, uh, and Starlit Sanctum to give you, like... a a ridiculous life total, basically infinite, uh, not basically infinite, whatever you choose the number to be. Uh, Because Daru Spiritualist is similar to Cephalid Illusionist in that whenever it becomes a target of a spell or ability, it gets plus 0, plus 2 until end of turn. So you can target it as many times as you'd like to pump its toughness to the point where uh, whatever you'd like its toughness to be, and then use Starlet Sanctum, which is a land from Onslaught to... uh, Sacrifice a cleric and gain life equal to that cleric's toughness. So you go, I'm going to pump Daru Spiritualist to one 6,000, <laughs> know, or I'm sorry, it'd have to be a, uh, an odd number because it has a one toughness already. So one slash 6,001 and I'll sacrifice it to Starlit Sanctum and gain 6,001 life. Um, <laughs> so whatever, whatever you want. And so that just gives you obviously now, now you're a, a p- headache. Yeah, a headache or, you know, is your opponent a headache? Whatever. It's not It's not that much math. You just use a number and that's how much you gain. As long as you can add whatever your life total is to that number, you should be okay. <laughs> but this, uh,
1: this deck is funny.
0: It, it's pretty crazy. And it's the way, uh, you know, you keep your opponent from now winning through damage unless they are somehow able to produce infinite damage which again if you're playing a mirror match you they could just go now we I want 6000 sky hussars, so now I'm going to kill you <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you f- you know do four times as much as your as the like you just need. <laughs> so that, that's pretty much how it works and the thing with this is and this the guys on SCG live were saying this too um, this deck if you're going to play a graveyard based strategy this deck uh, it seems like a better choice than dredge because it's way more consistent you you mill yourself as much as you want, like dredge can only mill itself as much as the cards allow. You know, you dredge, and if you don't get the right cards, you need another card to facilitate your dredging. But with this, you just need the illusionist and the uh, the nomads encore in play. That two card combo, and uh, and you can you can go off. And it helps to have things like worldly tutor in the deck. Also, uh, ether vial helps you get those creatures into play through uh, through. Uh, counter spells, right? Um, so uh, Living Wish also helps because you can now grab creatures out of your sideboard if you want. So it's got eight tutors. If you look at the Living Wish and the Worldly Tutor, um, three copies of all the v- relevant creatures that you need, and then one extra copy of each of those in the sideboard. Uh, that I'm looking at, at Mike's deck. Um, Mike did a deck tech, so this is this is available on StarCityGames.com, and we will link it, of course. Um, but yeah, so so Mike... Drew Levin, uh, also Patrick Chapin helped a little bit. I don't know that he helped with the deck, but he helped Mike get into Legacy and realize. um, and, and let's see, the, the quote from the, the article is that, uh, Patrick told Mike that Legacy wasn't really about card advantage or grinding momentum in your favor. It was about creating a fundamental turn and seizing control of the game. So,
1: uh... I like that, that quote a
0: yeah, lot. It's, it's just a completely different kind of thing. And Mike talked about this in his article on Star City last week as well, um... So really it's about making grabbing you know this one turn and completely taking control during that turn. you know he has uh, things like force of will as a backup um, in his deck, and you know that's that's how you win and if you can manage to do that, then you win the game uh, combo is, is is a basically a weakness that legacy has right now there's a weakness to combo, and that's something that that Mike wanted to exploit. While this deck didn't make the, the top 16, um, we can see for sure that Combo has a place in the in the metagame because we have a 5th place Ad nauseum Tendrils list um, played by Mark Taco yesterday in Edison. And then um, High Tide obviously won it. So we have yeah. uh, Dredge in 7th place, which is pretty much a combo deck. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just looking over the top 8. We have High Tide, uh, Green, White, Black, Rock, Team America green white black rock which i mean i guess these are junk decks they're referred to as green white black rock here
1: right Um, right
0: ad nauseum another green white black rock deck dredge and affinity so that's the top eight so uh you know multiple versions of that junk deck and uh and then a couple of combo decks in there as well so obviously mike was right about the the weakness that legacy format has right now to combo so we'll see what happens traditionally it's my understanding that uh you know i I don't want to say this is true for legacy but i believe it would still apply is that combo's weakness tends to be control decks you know counter spells because if you can can stop their combo with counter spells then then that's how they uh you know that's how you beat a combo deck but right the the traditional counter spell deck i believe Right now is more along the lines of Countertop, which is bad against cards like Emrakul and, um, you know, Ether Vial, which are showing up heavily in the right. format. Again, this deck even gets around the counterspell situation with Ether Vial. So, and of course, it has its own counterspell backup. So, uh, so, it's interesting, and I'll be really excited to see what happens this weekend in Memphis. We will be watching those games live.
1: Yes, we will.
0: On SCG Live. So, uh, definitely... Tune in on uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday for the the standard portion, and Sunday for the Legacy, of course, as always. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty cool. Like I'm I'm excited for Legacy. I'm excited I'm, about this, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm pretty hooked on Legacy right now. I, I love. I just feel like they got it so right when they banned Survival. I feel like the format is just so open, so interesting. I personally don't like playing against combo decks, um, but I feel like in Legacy, there's no excuse for, like, getting upset for losing to a combo deck.
0: Right, well, <laughs> you know, just like have a lot of options. That's the thing. Like, this, this format, literally, like, you can play—this is a quote from uh, from John Medina's article this week, but, you know, you can play whatever the— uh expletive you want in legacy (laughs) yeah you know it's ridiculous there are so many decks we've seen just uh just looking at the past few star city opens we have you know high tide rock team america cephalid breakfast even though it wasn't in the top eight there's there's uh you know mike playing that countertop uh affinity goblins dredge ad nauseum enchantress Goblin welder decks, like elves, it's all over the place. Zoo, you know, it's just, it's crazy. You really can play whatever you want. I want to play an aggro deck, but I don't really want to play red or zoo or, oh, or affinity. How about that? Okay, I'll play that. You know, like, it's like, I want to play this kind of aggro deck. I want to play an elves deck. I want to draw a bunch of cards, but I don't feel like playing blue. All right, how's in <laughs> Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, kind of, uh, it, it's really interesting, and... To me, it's very much like a trip down memory lane, where I'm like, "Hey, cool Tarmogoyf!" You know, that's not even that long ago. But "Hey, cool Argothian Enchantress," you know, that's a deck that I still have under my bed upstairs. Like I have most of that Enchantress deck in, you know, in my house, in my possession. I could totally play that. But it's funny because I want to get into Legacy, and I'm like, I have Affinity, I have Goblins, I probably have almost all of those Elves cards. I have Enchantress pretty much but I want to play the blue decks, you know? (laughs) So funny. I guess what I should do is try to trade my other legacy stuff for the legacy stuff that I want to play. Or Um,
1: sell it off somewhere and get store credit.
0: Right, you know what I mean? That's that's trading, essentially, right? Just adding in a middleman. But no, I mean, and I don't disagree with you. The problem that I have with that is emotional attachment, which I know Medina preaches against. But I, uh, you know, I like... Being, I like knowing that uh, I have all these old standard decks that I used to play, which are now, with, uh, with a few changes, can be viable in Legacy. But, you know, not to say that it won't ever happen, that I won't actually trade out of those decks, but it's, uh, you know, it, it comforts me to know that. And if I can try to get these cards without doing that, that's what I'm going to try to do. So I think that's everything we have for this week. Let's uh, move on to upcoming events. As we just mentioned, we have this weekend the StarCityGames.com Open Series in Memphis. It's March 12th and 13th. Joe and I will be, be there in, uh, in the booth for SCG Live. Um, also this weekend, PAX East is happening in Boston, for those of you who, uh, who like those uh, Penny Arcade Expo tournaments or events. Uh, and then... Uh, Next weekend, March nineteenth and twentieth, we have GP Kobe, which is an extended GP. That'll be interesting to see what comes out hmm. of that. Uh, also, next weekend, the StarCityGames.com Open Series is in Dallas, Fort Worth, along with you, Joe.
1: Yeah, it's in Fort Worth. Yeah, it's me and Gavin. I can uh, safely say now. Pretty. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure like who I was even with. I think when we were recording, but um, but yeah, but yeah, me and Gavin, uh, rocking cool. the booth. Looking forward to fun. that.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's next weekend. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that coverage and, uh, and then the weekend after that, we have Grand Prix Barcelona, which is a standard Grand Prix. I'm, uh, I'm particularly interested in seeing what comes out of that. That's March yeah. 26th and the 27th. So we'll see the, uh, the format further evolve and see if, uh, you know, if it does. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully we'll see some innovation this weekend in Memphis. And you know, the decks that I'm looking for in both standard and legacy, to be honest, and I, I said this on SCG Live, you know, in DC, is, uh, I want to see Tezzeret. I want to see more Tezzeret decks. I want to see more people playing and doing well with Tezzeret, uh, you know, whether it be a Legacy deck or a Standard deck, because I think he's got so much potential, especially in Legacy. Uh, I, I just yeah. think that people, you know, maybe the the people aren't... either. I'm sure there are people out there brewing with him, but they may not be doing as well, but, uh, you know, I'm just excited to to see that card break out a little bit, and I think what right. needs to happen is a deck that can somehow... Uh, easily take advantage of of the, I guess the uh, homogeneous nature of the format right now with all these squadron hawks and uh, and stoneforge mystics, and then you know take take advantage of the fact that people aren't really prepared for Tezzeret again. You know, right. as as what happened in in Paris, people weren't really prepared. Everybody was like, "Yeah, Tezzeret's a card. He's a good card, but there's no real deck for him right now." Or it's, you know, it's not. There's no deck lists that did well yet. And uh, at this point, you know, people have kind of forsaken the Tezzeret, uh, Chapin, Grixis list, and uh, it seems like people aren't really playing with him. So I'm really, I'm excited to see uh, to see some of that. So I'm hoping we'll see it in Memphis this weekend. Uh, if not, hopefully sometime over the next month we'll see it so yep as always we are yo mtg taps stop
1: bitching, start brewing
0: let's see i'm a tutor of shriek ma evoke it then bring back shriek ma all my blockers are dead you want to be no i gotta wait until my lock is complete oh! it. you can't kill me yet i understand you're not
2: quite comfy till you kill all my land I'll just check out while you recur your whole hand and wait the ten minutes that this one turn is spanned
0: Yup, yo, you really got me 360 degrees. I guess that's how it goes when you still had all these. I still had all I still had all I still had all these. Uh, as always, we are yo MTG Taps.
1: And I'm on fire. Wait, what?